You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 186 of Brewers on Tap. It is great to have you with us because we have the postseason coming up in just a few hours. Brewers and the Dodgers wild card round, best two out of three at Dodgers Stadium starting tonight. I hope you have your coffee ready. I hope you got a mid-afternoon nap because... I didn't do either of those things today now that I think of it, but I'm still raring to go. It's still going to be fun. It's still going to be exciting. And it's a big task in front of the Brewers. Let's be honest with ourselves. This is a huge matchup. The Dodgers were the best team in baseball per record over the course of this year. They are a perennial playoff team. They are a perennial World Series contender. Brewers know all about that. The Brewers took them to Game 7 in 2018. Now, there's a lot of new faces on this Brewers team compared to that Brewers team. Yes, no Lorenzo Cain. Yes, no Corbin Burns. Yes, the tough news that Devin Williams would not be available. But there's still a lot about this Brewers team that should give you some hope going into this series. I know that the odds are stacked against them on paper, but the Brewers still have Christian Yelich. And you know what Christian Yelich is today? Getting a fresh start. He didn't have the year he wanted, A condensed 60-game schedule didn't go the way that he wanted it to, but now he gets a second chance. He gets to go out on the postseason stage, something he missed out on last year, remember, in the wild card. He gets to go on to the postseason stage and display his talents again for the first time since Game 7 of the 2018 NLCS. And I think Christian Yelich may do something special tonight tomorrow night or at some point in this series. That's my prediction because I think Christian Yelich is ready to explode and it might be just at this right time. Hopefully, hopefully that'll be the case. Ryan Braun could be playing his last games in a Brewers uniform. He's going to be inspired and I think Ryan Braun may give you a good swing here or there over the course of this series and it's going to come down to pitching it and playing defense. If the Brewers pitch it like they have pitched it most of this year and play defense like they have played defense most of this year, they're going to be in these ball games. And one mistake here by Walker Bueller or there by Clayton Kershaw or somebody out of that bullpen, that could be the difference. Look, the Brewers have a huge task, but I think the Brewers are excited for it. And I know I'm excited for it. And let's get the postseason started here tonight. Some teams have already been eliminated. The Brewers haven't even played a game yet in the 2020 postseason. Okay, here's what we have for you on Brewers on Tap. We're going to let you listen in to my conversation with Devin Williams just hours after it was announced he would not be on the postseason roster due to right shoulder soreness. We don't get real specific with the injury, but we do talk about it, and we talk about his amazing season and his desire to get back on the mound, hopefully before this postseason is all said and done. And we're going to talk to Kyle Peterson from ESPN. This was prior to the Devin Williams news, so you'll hear us talk a little bit about Devin Williams and how he can be a factor in this series. But you'll hear Kyle Peterson, former Brewers pitcher, 
ESPN baseball analyst breaking down what Devin brings to the table and some of the other Brewers' arms in this conversation. And we're going to talk to Jed Jerko, who has been one of the most important hitters in this Brewers lineup over the course of the 2020 season. Let's jump right into it with the newsmaker today, and it was obviously news we didn't want to hear, but a guy that I think is going to be the NL Rookie of the Year and the NL Reliever of the Year, and that is Brewers right-hander Devin Williams. Devin Williams is our guest on Clubhouse Conversations. And first off, Devin, obviously disappointing news today, something that you've probably been kind of working through over the last couple of days. Um, little shoulder soreness, and so not able to be on the postseason roster, at least for the wild card round. And obviously, it goes without saying, you're disappointed. Um, what an unbelievable year you've had. And, and I know you wish you were going to be out there at Dodger Stadium with the guys over the next couple of nights on the field. You'll still be there with them with them in person and in spirit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really unfortunate. Uh, it was just kind of a little thing that popped up here at the end of the season and didn't have time to get right before the postseason started. So um, I'm going to have to miss this round and Hopefully the boys can pick me up and, you know, I'll be back for the next round. And I think that's the, that's the good news, and everybody should keep that in mind, that um, you're optimistic that you can get back at some point in the postseason. So gives everybody incentive to, to go out there and win and, and, and try to get all the way back so you and Corbin and everybody else can maybe help this team be at full throttle at some point uh, before this postseason run is all said and done. You've had an amazing year, Devin. And I know you've, you're hearing about it everywhere you go. People are talking about it everywhere you go. At what point did it kind of click for you this year where everything started to just go to that next level, in your opinion? Um, I mean, it was really from summer camp on, um, just kind of building off of that and, you know, figuring out the things that I'm good at specifically, like what I execute really well and uh, – just continuing to go back to those, those places, you know, and doing it over and over again. And, um, you know, just, just learning from this year, using this year as a learning process also, and just taking every outing that I had and taking the info that I got from that and using it in the next outing. You've always had a good changeup. You showed that last year when you were up, but it became the pitch in baseball that everybody was talking about this year. Did you have it? at that level in summer camp or did it just keep getting better and better and your confidence kept growing and growing in it as the season went along? Um, yeah. I mean, I think I did. I mean, I think that's what it is all the time. That's just how yeah. much confidence I have in it. But um, yeah, I mean, the I kind of got back to my changeup of old, like last year during um, the quarantine, like when I was throwing live ABs and, things like that. But, uh, cause like last year when I got to the big leagues, I started throwing it too hard and not, not killing the velocity and creating as much depth as I would like. And, uh, I mean, I was able to get back to that this year. And when you complement it with a 96 mile per hour fastball, it's a pretty good pairing. It, it tends to work out pretty well. And it certainly did that for you over the course of this season. And I, I think you're going to be one of the handful of names, for NL Rookie of the Year. I don't think that's a secret. I think everybody sees it that way. I'm biased, but I think you should win it. Uh, I definitely think you're going to be the National League Reliever of the Year. I, I can't find a reliever that's had a year 
on your level. How closely do you pay attention to that stuff? I'm sure you're honored just to be in the conversation, but at the same time, you want to win those things. Those are great awards. Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't go into this season expecting either of those awards. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like the season was winding down and everyone was talking about who who should win and, you know, things like that. I kind of started to pay attention to it, and it was just – one of those things where I, I can't affect the way that people necessarily vote. I can just go out and, you know, throw as best as I can. And that's, that's all I tried to do every time. Um, I mean, I wasn't too worried about it, but now that, now that the season's over, it would be a nice thing to have, have those awards uh, in my little closet back home. <laughs> you know, we joked a lot last year about the nickname Dave and, and we had a lot of fun with it. I feel like you've outgrown it in some ways, right? Like, yeah, this guy, this is Dave, but now that's Devin, right? Like that's your stuff every day. So we don't have to joke around about it anymore. Do people call you Dave anymore? Or is it just, it's just Devin and the stuff's nasty and that's the way it is. Uh, Yeah. There's a few people, not too many this year, but uh, I don't know. I kind of like it though. I kind of think of that as like my place that I go to. Cause yeah. You know, I have a completely different mindset when I'm pitching than I do when I'm just, you know, hanging out or doing whatever. It's like your superhero name, right? Yeah, my alter ego. Yeah. Clark Kent and Superman. (laughs) I like it. Well, there was a great story um, in The Athletic, uh, I think it was last week, talking about your changeup and how everybody's just scratching their head trying to figure this thing out. Guys can know that it's coming and it still doesn't matter and how it's so unique and I think every changeup kind of has its own unique personalities to it to some degree. But um, the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman, kind of dubbed it the airbender, which is like, that's like the coolest thing ever, right? When you get one of your pitches <laughs> that gets its own nickname on social media. W- when did you first find out that he started calling it the airbender? And, and have you taken that and run with it at all? Um, I noticed he stopped calling it a changeup whenever he would put up videos of me. And I later saw that he said it was because he was tired of everyone arguing over if it was a screwball or a changeup or whatever it may be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I like that nickname. It's it's unique. It is uh, just like the pitch itself, I guess. I mean, I, I think it's a changeup, but a lot of other people don't seem to. So uh, we can just go with the airbender then. Well, I, th- I mean, to me, and I think – I've had this conversation with a lot of other guys and Kyle Peterson from ESPN is going to be on clubhouse conversations after you, Devin. And, and, and one of the things that, that he and I always talk about is that like we can watch a pitch and say, this is that, or this is this, but it's really what the guy throwing it thinks it is right. Because it's the way you grip it. It's the way you throw it. That, that really matters in the end because some guys throw a cutter and it looks exactly like the other guy's slider or vice versa, or a slider can almost look like a curve and a slurve. I mean, everything can kind of blend together to some degree. So you grip it like a changeup and that's how you throw it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I throw it just like a circle changeup. Um, I just tend to get more spin on it, I guess. Um, but yeah, to me, it's always been a changeup. I've always thought it was a changeup even I mean, up until this year, it was never a second second thought in my mind that it was something other than change-up. 
Well, Devin, we really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with us here today. Uh, I know you you wish you were going to be out there on the mound at some point over the course of this series, but I know you're going to be cheering the guys on so you can get the ball at some point this postseason and pick up where you left off with one of the great seasons in, in reliever history uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers and maybe maybe even in the National League. So uh, thank you again. Congratulations on a great year. And here's hoping we get to see you on the mound before this thing's all said and done. All right. Thank you. Big thanks to Devin for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. Kyle Peterson is a part of ESPN's coverage of the postseason all postseason long. He's been on the StatCast broadcast. He's been on the Squeeze Play from ESPN Plus where they look around at all the different games as they're going on. And he's going to be a part of ESPN Radio's coverage next week during the Divisional Series round as well. Former Brewer, Kyle Peterson helps me break it all down. Let's break it down. Kyle Peterson of ESPN is our guest on Clubhouse Conversations. Of course, a former brewer. You were drafted by the Brewers as well, and it's been a while since you and I have have caught up, Kyle. But with the weirdness of this year, you've had a chance to do some KBO baseball. You've had a chance to do some Major League Baseball on top of your college duties, of course, that got suspended uh, back in the spring. And a lot of monitor baseball for you, which is, of course, something we've experienced as well. So it's, it's been an interesting year, but I think we've all embraced it and just been glad and thankful we have baseball. Uh, amen. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about the playoffs. And three months ago, we didn't know if we'd be talking about a season. Um, and obviously, on the collegiate side, they, they didn't really have a season. They had essentially four weeks of baseball, and then everything was shut down. So is it different? Yeah. I mean, it's life is different for all of us right now. It's harder. I mean, I'm sure it's been harder for you just to call yeah. games off a monitor and not sit and see. I know you can see some maybe, but um, to not go on the road. Um you miss stuff. You're, you're used to doing things a certain way and, and honestly present the product in a certain way. And it's, it's significantly more difficult to do it now, but everybody's had to adjust. And um, at the end of the day, we got to watch eight baseball games today. That's, that's a pretty good day. Cal, you were a brewer and you were drafted by the brewers. As I already mentioned, got a chance to play at Miller park. It wasn't a, a long career with the Brewers, obviously, but you did have a chance to, to be a Brewer. And I know we had you back at spring training a couple of years ago. That was fun. Yeah. We got a chance to walk around uh, some of the backfields during spring training. What is the, the thing that you remember the most about your time as a Milwaukee Brewer? Um, you're, you're, you're kind to say that I wasn't there very long. That's, that's factually extremely accurate. But um, you know, I remember getting drafted. I remember my first start against the White Sox, and, and I, I didn't know what to do, and so I just ended up out in the bullpen an hour before the game and uh, just to get away and to get somewhere to where I felt like I could sit on my own for a little bit. And I remember finding out that I was getting called up literally by logging on to my computer from New Orleans where I was playing in the AAA All-Star game and seeing what the probable starters were for Milwaukee after the All-Star break. And I was starting game five, and no one had told me that I was going to the big leagues. Um, so I called my agent. My agent was Scott Boris and said, hey, what's going on? He's like, listen, just go back. Go back to Louisville. Act surprised. Okay, so I go back pitching the AAA All-Star game, go back to Louisville. Gary Allenson's our manager, calls me in to the office right when we get back there, and, and that's how I found out. And I, I think I did a decent job of acting surprised. But I have to be the first or maybe the only one to ever find out they were going to the big leagues by reading the newspaper in advance from the triple A all-star game. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, the, my, my career there is one that, that is disappointing. It's disappointing to me. 
Um, injuries are things that you can't control. And at the end of the day, I was right-handed with three shoulder surgeries throwing 81 miles an hour. At one point, you're not good enough anymore. And I wasn't good enough anymore. But thankfully, I've been able to stay around the game for the last 16, 17 years. And uh, even though there's not a lot of memories, the memories of Milwaukee are all good ones. And, and I, I will say this, you have become, in my opinion, one of the premier baseball analysts, whether it be college or professional, in the game. And you and I have known each other a long time. And, and I'm really proud of, of what you've been able to do with your broadcasting career. It's, 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 it's a genuine joy to turn on the television and to watch a game that, that you are are, are calling because I know I'm going to learn something that day. And I think that's the, the biggest compliment that anybody can give uh, an analyst. And, and, and everybody has a great story, it feels like, when, when they get called up. And, and it's always yeah. unique. There, there's, always, there's only that story, right? Then nobody else has had that exact situation. Yeah. So that's a great one. Um, and thank you for sharing it. Here we are, postseason. It got started yesterday. Um, it's yeah. going to go crazy today. Uh, this is so much fun, I think. And I know – um, you have some teams in the postseason that wouldn't typically be in, and will we see this long term? I don't know, but I think today is going to be one of the more fun days for baseball that I can remember in a long time. It's going to remind, I think, a lot of people of March Madness. I think it totally will, and you know, long term is a three-game series with eight teams from both sides. That you know, the best indicator of of who ultimately the best team is at the end of the World Series. I don't know, probably not, just because the the small sample size in the front end is so minimal. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, it's interesting, and interesting is a good thing right now. Like, we'll take interesting today. Is it the best long-term solution? We'll figure that out. Um, but for today, if you're a baseball fan and you get a post up here, I mean, starting at noon Eastern, I think, and going all the way through the end of you guys' game, um, that's not bad. I mean, there's a lot of people that mysteriously had a headache this morning and didn't show up at work. Uh, this this was a, a good day to stack away some of those sick days because and if you can sit on the couch for – the better part of 13 hours and watch baseball. It's okay. Kyle, this is a big matchup with the, for the Brewers. It's a rematch of the 18 NLCS. The Brewers have a lot of new faces compared to that 18 squad. Some of the same ones are there. Obviously, Yelich is still there. Um, you're, you're talking about Josh Hader still being at the back of this bullpen. And, and so there's still a lot of those same names. Ryan Braun, of course. But it is a different team. And it's a team that took a different path to get into the postseason. But at the same time, this is what postseason baseball is all about. You got Brent Suter, who's been really good in these spot yeah. start situations. You got Brandon Woodruff going in game two. You know you're going to see great arms from the Dodgers. But this is your chance to go, go try to knock out the, the favorite in really everybody's eyes, right? I mean, this, the Dodgers are the favorite in most people's eyes, whether it be not just to win the NL, but maybe to win the whole thing. I mean, they've been the best team. And I think when you look the most rounded team, you could make a, a raise argument, I'm sure, from the American League side. But the, the reality is the Dodgers have just been better than everybody else. They're deeper than everybody else. I, I heard Craig talking yesterday just about the series in general. And, and you, you can't really find holes in them when you go try to find holes in, in what the Dodgers are. Uh, but the reality is you got to beat them two out of three. Like, I mean, you, you don't have to beat them over 162 games. you, you got to get hot for two days. And hot could mean you win one nothing. You may have to scratch one out and hit a home run off of Bueller today, and that might be the only one they get. You know, we had Indians-Yankees last night. You get Bieber on one side and Cole on the other. And I can tell you what I, what I didn't think we'd see, and that was 12 runs from somebody, whoever it yeah. may be. And so crazy stuff happens in this game, and it definitely happens in the postseason. Um, you know, I think the biggest question is how far can Suter go? Um, and then if, if you're Craig, and really I think anybody, from a manager standpoint in the postseason, when you don't have an off day and you're in a short series, man, the way you look at that bullpen's massively different. 
And I know the bullpen has been so important, especially Williams and Hayter on the back end for, for the Brewers. But when do you use them? How do you use them? Um, you know, the reality is they probably can't go three days in a row, but they definitely could go two. It, it, that, to me, is the fascinating part of, of today is how those either in the lead or game one are using the bullpen in those, man, I'm not quite sure what to do situations. Like if you got a two run lead in the eighth, that's a different gig. Mm-hmm. If you're tied in the fifth and you got to go to the bullpen, that's a different set of circumstances with, with no off day in the middle of this. It's going to be pretty fascinating to watch for everybody, not just Milwaukee. Yeah, I think one of the advantages the Brewers have, they have some pretty good depth in that bullpen right. beyond those two guys too. Yardley's been great. Claudio's a guy that can come in and get some lefties out in the right spot. Um, you know, Freddie Peralta, when he's on, his fastball gets a lot of swing and miss. So there's some some things there they can work with. But I, I want to go back to Devin Williams. He's going to join us as well on Clubhouse Conversations. I, that changeup, to me, it's the best pitch in baseball right now. And I know it's a smaller sample size, but that's all we can go off of this year. I think it was the best pitch in baseball, at least this year. We'll see if it is long term. It, it's it's incredible, and, and a lot of people aren't even sure what to call it because he throws it like a changeup, but it has so much arm side run at times, and sometimes it even looks like a screwball. It's just an incredible pitch. I guess that's the bottom line, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. We were doing Bieber yesterday, and, and now he's throwing a cutter, a slider, and a curveball, and sometimes you can't tell the difference between a cutter and a slider, but who cares because if they don't yeah. do it, it doesn't matter what you call it. Right. It's it's interesting, guys. You you talk to guys and they'll call a pitch something, whatever it may be. And if if you were watching it in real time, you may call it something else. But if they think that's what it is in their mind and that's what helps make it happen, who cares? You call it whatever you want. Yep. And at this point, Devin Williams can make up whatever word he wants for what that pitch is, and, and <laughs> you just roll with it. Because I would agree with you. It's as dominant as any pitch in the entire game. Nobody's been able to figure it out. You know, there's certain guys in the game that can almost stand out there and tell you what's coming, and he has turned into one of those guys. That even if you know what's coming, the swing and miss on that pitch is is pretty next. It's it's just next level. I mean, you, you don't see those swing and miss percentages on any pitch in the game, and it's it's fascinating to see again. Like, how do you use it? When do you use it? You don't have to play matchup. That's a nice thing. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. They all swing and miss at it, so you don't have to worry about righty lefty quite as much. And you're right. I mean, you think about some of the power arms in the game that throw a cutter and a slider. And they almost blend together. Yeah. I mean, at times it's like, okay, well, we're just splitting hairs. I mean, really, it, it's just a great pitch with, with some breaking action on it and guys are swinging and missing it. It really doesn't matter yeah. what we label it at that point in time. This Dodgers team's really good. As you said, they, they were the best team in baseball in the regular season. There aren't a lot of weaknesses. They're going to run out two really good arms the first two days. Yeah. And so you, you, you almost have to go into it and you, you kind of – foreshadowed this you almost have to go into it understanding look we're going to get a few chances we got to take advantage of those chances and we got to pitch and play great defense that's that's how you're going to beat this Dodgers team right yeah I mean you're not going to outslug them I mean I think that's just the reality of it especially with the arms that they're going to throw out the on the other side and, and um, it, it just feels like again I go back to the Yankees and the Indians last night it felt like a one-swing game it, it wasn't clearly what the Yankees did but uh, LeMahieu reaches to start the game, Judge hits at the seats, and you go, whoa, two might be enough. Like that, that might be enough today based on what it is. And, and the reality against a guy like Bueller and that bullpen that comes in behind him, um, you may need two or three to be enough. If, if you're going to win it, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to get it off of him. Um, the reality is stringing together three or four hits in an inning against Bueller doesn't happen very often. Uh, and yeah. so you need a little puncher's luck, too. I mean, you, you need somebody to reach one maybe they shouldn't. 
uh, and you need somebody to hit one in the gap or hit one in the seats. And it, it just feels like in these types of games with the swing and miss stuff that Walker has, uh, it, it's going to take a run like that offensively for that. You look at postseason baseball too, Kyle, and, and it seems like everybody takes more pitches, or at least that's what it seems like to me. I mean, you see pitch counts elevate. Guys are getting out in the fourth or fifth inning, maybe not even a second time through the order because their pitch count can climb. That that tends to be a trend sometimes in the postseason, and I would think that that would be a part of the Brewers' game plan offensively tonight is to try to take pitches, foul pitches off, get deep into counts against Walker Bueller, and try to get into that bullpen at some point. Yeah, and I think, and this is so much easier said than done, uh, and I think it's a similar approach if you're facing Beavers. you got to force him to land the breaking ball in the zone. Um, I mean, when Bueller is at his best is when guys are swinging at that breaking ball that's down and out of the zone. Um, he's going to try to to get you to chase a pass ball up in the zone and the breaking ball down. So the reality is, is when you look at the way it comes out of his hands, when he's going right, they look the same. Um, the dude's throwing 100 with a snapdragon curveball. And, and to just say, hey, we're going to lay off the breaking ball in the dirt, well, if it were that easy, he wouldn't be Walker Bueller. But if you can, and if you can figure out a way to do that and then get the count back into the plus situation, uh, then you are going to see a few more fastballs because it, it's the curveball is is the differentiator for him or the breaking balls are differentiators for him. But the reality is the ability to land it in the strike zone is not always easy when the ball moves that much. Uh, so if you can stay away from plus counts and stay away from the chase down and out of the zone, it gets you back into the counts that you may see something you want to see. Well, Kyle, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving us some time. And uh, best of luck. I know you're going to be really busy over the next couple of weeks, and I'm glad that you're going to be a part of ESPN's coverage of MLB's postseason. Buddy, I appreciate it. It's always good talking to you. Uh, I'm glad that it's been such a good stay for you and a continued stay up in Milwaukee, and I, uh, I always enjoy hearing your name. So thanks for, thanks for calling and thanks for asking. Huge thanks to Kyle Peterson, a good friend of mine. We go back years, and it was great catching up with him to talk a little baseball like we've done so many times in the past. Well, Jed Jerko is really one of the unsung heroes, in my opinion, of this 2020 Brewers season, and I had a chance to catch up with him prior to this series getting started and talk about the opportunity in front of this club. Jed Jerko joins us as uh, we start talking about this wild card series between the Brewers and Dodgers, a club you know a little bit about, spending some time with them last season. What's it like to have, you know, the quote-unquote second chance, Jed, to kind of wipe the slate clean, you earned your opportunities in this postseason, and now everybody's zero and zero getting started tomorrow? Yeah, you know, that's uh, it's exciting time, no doubt about it. Uh, obviously, the Brewers, third straight year, and then uh, – all, all we all we needed to do was give ourselves a chance, and that's what we did. So uh, it wasn't the prettiest thought pretty much ever, but uh, we, we made it in, and uh, things all start again tomorrow. Jed, you were signed this year, and, and you were pretty much going to play third base, maybe primarily against left-handed pitching. And then as the season goes along, as has a tendency to happen over the course of a season, roles change, and pretty soon you're the everyday first baseman, and you're in there every single day. You performed well, really, regardless of your role. But how nice was it once you knew, hey, I'm going to be written in the lineup almost every single day about halfway through the season? Yeah, it was uh, obviously it's always always good to get out there and play. And, uh, yeah, I think going into spring training this year, I might have been about sixth or seventh on the first base depth chart. So uh, you never know what's going to happen, even in a 60-game season. But, um, yeah, just when you get the chance, go out and perform. That's what I was able to do. And uh, hopefully we can keep it going. You're a veteran. You've been around. You've been around a lot of different clubs, and you've performed really almost everywhere that you've been. How has that role 
worked for you in a clubhouse where you were one of the new guys coming in, yet you have a lot of experience that you can lend to a team that had a lot of young guys contribute to it as the season went along? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I took that role pretty serious, and it was, it was kind of weird at, at the beginning. Obviously, you're the we, – well, we had a ton of new guys, but as one of the new guys, you kind of just – kind of feel your feel your way out for a little while and then uh you know kind of get settled in and that's a something that these guys my teammates have done a great job this year is uh, making everyone feel welcome and such such a good group of guys that it was uh it was a real easy transition and then um you know trying to teach these younger guys that we have we got a pretty good mix of uh you know veteran guys and some young guys that are coming up and i just try to show them the ropes and how the how the right way is to play jed did the wealth of new guys coming in make that easier to kind of everybody just throw it in the middle and get to know each other or did it make it more challenging because the new guys are trying to get to know each other and the guys that had been in the clubhouse before trying to get to know everybody at the same time no I, th I think it definitely helped we were all uh, I mean a bunch of us were all pretty much in the same situation and we all just kind of embraced it and uh, it was it was really cool to see how the the guys that were already here had really welcomed us and embraced us a part of the team and um you know, it's, it's exciting to, uh, you know, to sneak into the playoffs, and we're, uh, like I said, we're looking forward to that. I know you've probably been asked about this a lot, but one of the things that Corbin Burns talked about early on and credited you with was a lot of good feedback uh, in spring training and in summer camp, uh, not just from your at-bats against each other once you became a part of the crew, but, you know, bringing forth your experience against him when you were a part of the Cardinals organization and how that opened his eyes to – Maybe I need to try this or I need to try that. And uh, the, the Clips Notes version of the conversation was that everything was going away from right-handed hitters. And so, you know, he, he tweaked and got that, that sinker, that two-seamer going a little bit more, among other things, along with the changeup. And he, he credits that as being one of the things that really helped him take that next uh, step up, so to speak. How often does that happen in this game? I mean, everybody's trying to get an edge and everybody's trying to give each other feedback especially when they're on the same side but how often does that happen and how did this year with the uniqueness of the pandemic and everything else kind of lend itself to more of that yeah what's really cool with Corbin is how open he was to to everything that I, I had to say to him and uh, you know he obviously he made the adjustment adjustments himself it wasn't really anything that I did but um you know just kind of giving that feedback and uh you know I can't speak for everyone but when I see something especially to a younger kid that I think can help him I'm more than willing and open to you know to tell him what I feel and hopefully he can take it uh in a positive light but um you know, that's what's the good thing about this team is, uh, you know, everyone's egos are left at the door when we walk in there. We're, we're working together. That's what a good team does. And uh, if someone needs to be told something or help with something, they're not afraid to ask. And that's, uh, that's a great quality that this team has. I think that starts off obviously right at the top with counts and the way he manages. Um, if there's something to say, he's going to say it. And uh, that's, that's what I appreciate about it. Jed, you guys got a chance to see this pitching throughout summer camp, uh, stepping in against – Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Devin Williams, knowing what you know about those guys and then seeing what they did throughout the course of the season, how does that help? And obviously Corbin's not going to be available here for at least this first round, but how does that help you guys from a confidence standpoint? You know you have big tasks in front of you. The Dodgers are a really good team, but you also know you have arms that can neutralize that Dodgers offense. Yeah, with, I mean, it was – it was tough to be a hitter in that summer camp. I know that uh, a bunch of us really struggled, but it was it was cool to see that uh, you know the, the amount of pitching and the quality of the pitching that we have is something that's going to keep us in the game no matter what. And I think that that's uh, we're going to lean on them in the next couple of days, and hopefully we can get enough runs to uh, push through. 
You're familiar with what the Dodgers run out there. Walker Bueller is a really dynamic young arm. And, of course, Clayton Kershaw is one of the best uh, that's maybe ever done it on the mound as well. And you're going to see both of those guys in this series. Uh, take me through what your first impressions of Walker Bueller w- were the first time you saw him climb up on the mound. Yeah, I faced him a couple times when I was, I guess, when I was over in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, like you said, he's just an electric arm. And, uh, you know, he's got a he's got a real bulldog mentality mentality about him that I really liked when I got over there. So, uh, you know, we're just going to have to grind him out. I think that's what it comes down to. He's going to he's going to make some good pitches. We got to we just got to grind him down, get this pitch count up. And uh, when we get a chance, we got to we got to pounce on it. Well, enjoy this one. I know it's, it's getting to the postseason is something nobody should ever take for granted. It's special. It's fun. I know that you understand that as well as anybody, and uh, enjoy it. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we're, like I said, we're definitely looking forward to it. We feel like we've been given, like you said, a second chance, so uh, we got nothing to lose. Huge thanks to Jed Jerko and to Kyle Peterson and to Devin Williams for being guests this week on Brewers on Tap. Hopefully this helps move you a little bit closer to game time and get you set up for a big matchup tonight. Game one of the 2020 wild card round between the Brewers and Dodgers coming your way. Have a great one, everybody. Enjoy the postseason for the third consecutive year. I'm Lane Grindle.